Welcome to the Classic Holdup Podcast, where we analyze media from the past. Each episode features a different host that brings a fresh take on a film, TV show, video game, or music album of their choice. What can we discover? Do old favorites have a shelf life? Will the classics hold up? Welcome to another episode of the Classic Hold Up Podcast. Uh, today, I am your host. My name is Brendan Perzwara, and here at MSU, I'm a senior with two different majors. Uh, one of my majors is the reason as to why I'm, you know, here making a podcast with you right now. I'm a major in digital storytelling, uh, focusing in audio, hence the, uh, the podcast class. And then my second major is in games and interactive media. And that second major is why we have a special video game themed episode of the classic holdup with you today uh today we're going to be talking about earthbound and see if it holds up uh earthbound if you are unaware is a game for the super nintendo released back in america in 1995 uh it is an rpg where you play as a young boy uh who you can name yourself but his canonical name is ness uh who travels the world fights alien creatures, um, learns magic, the power of friendship, and all these other things. Um, but to talk about the game briefly, it is a uh, RPG. It is like a RPG similar to a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest, um, where you have a party of characters, they travel the world, they fight enemies, they level up, they do spells, very similarly. Um, it is very starkly contrasted to RPGs at the time, um, the most popular RPGs, especially in Japan, was Dragon Quest. Um, was a huge cultural phenomenon in Japan. Final Fantasy, a bit more in the, was a bit more popular in America than it was in Japan, but still, those were the two titans of the early RPG um, genre. And Earthbound comes in. Uh, I guess to say those two, uh, Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, were set in like some very vague, f- magical traditional Tolkien fantasy land, right? Where you have dragons and magic and spells and all these kind of things that you would imagine from like a traditional Dungeons and Dragons game. Earthbound comes in and kind of shakes all this up by adding, uh, or with its theming, which is uh, kind of a portrayal of what Japanese the Japanese people at the time had stereotypically envisioned America being. Um, so the setting of Earthbound is America, um, and it's a very, uh, it's very exaggerated and emphasized version of America. You have, like, burger shops in every corner, you have gangs, you have, uh, greedy businessmen, you have all these kind of things that America is very stereotypically known for in an RPG, which traditionally at the time, again, was only used for things like dragons and fantasy and those kind of things. Um, so it's very unique and very, very different, and it is... Uh, a game that is absurdly charming in its identity. It was created by uh, Shigesato Itoi, who is a actor, um, or was a famous actor in Japan, who decided to dip his hands into the gaming industry and had a deal with Nintendo to make a game. He makes this game called Mother. Um, this was back for the original NES um, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, It was a relatively decent success. Um, It was not anything crazy. Uh, 
and most people just bought it because his name was attached to the project. Um, it was fully translated and localized for America, um, and it was uh, never released. So they just never decided to release it. Um, the reason being is because they made it at the very end of the Nintendo Enter Entertainment System's life cycle and were worried that since the Super Nintendo Entertainment System was basically, like, out, uh, people would not be interested in kind of buying old NES games or, or new NES games for their old system, you know? Um, so they just never released it. Um, until he kind of releases Mother 2, or works on Mother 2, which is more or less a remastered version of the first Mother. Um, that is again localized for America, renamed to be Earthbound, um, and that one actually does release. Um, so my personal experiences with this content are that I've played it before many times. I've only finished it once, but I've played through uh, the game many, many times. I was not alive in 1995, so I did not play it upon release. I did not own a Super Nintendo. But uh, the game has been re-released uh, very sparsely um, throughout the, the past couple of years, and I have picked up uh, it when I can. Uh, and I've also, I've just played through it a lot. I've watched people play through it a lot. Uh, I have watched people with much more knowledge uh, of Earthbound than I have play through it, so I've picked up uh, things from them as well. Um, it is personally uh, one of my favorite games uh, of all time. It's I, I love RPGs, um, and this one is so unique and so charming. Uh, as soon as I played it, I knew that it would be something uh, very special to me. And also, what started to become familiar with this game due to uh, the characters' appearances in Super Smash Brothers, which is how a lot of people, I imagine, around my age got into uh, the series since they weren't alive. And now, joining me today on this podcast to discuss a little bit about how Earthbound had done in the past and does currently, and a little bit about the game itself. Someone who is very knowledgeable about the subject, one of my good friends. Uh, give it up for Tom Zachu Drip Mitski Fan 178, uh, Susser Kong Todd uh, Manning. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Tom, how, what is your uh, experience with Earthbound like? So, similarly to your like introduction to it, I was introduced to it. It, through Super Smash Brothers, I played uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl, and I was like, "This guy kind of looks like another Pokemon trainer." That's what wonder I thought what, too. Wonder what that's about. <laughs> um, and that's not the only game that I've played where that's happened. Cave Story is one of my favorite games of all time, and the main character kind of looks like a Pokemon trainer. And I was like, "That looks fun." Has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, and from there, I I watched a lot of content around it. And this is like the early internet. It's like 2010. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually, I like attempted to play it online through emulation, but was not as experienced. And then when it finally released on the Wii U in 2015, I played all the way through it. And I've probably started it and then stopped halfway through six times. <laughs> <laughs> it is a long game, so it's easy to do that, I think. Um, so... One thing that we can talk about right away, and our, our goal here is to discuss whether Earthbound itself holds up in, in 2021. Um, first thing we can talk about is how Earthbound did when it released. And we'll talk specifically about it releasing in America, since that's more relevant for us. Um, but from uh, everything I remember, Tom, Earthbound, upon release, uh, did very, very poorly here in America. It flopped. It flopped wow. hard. Um, a lot of that had to do with the marketing, I believe. Um, you can go back and look at some old, uh, I believe they're in Nintendo Power ads, um, where they are scratch and sniff fart stickers um, and like other gross uh, smells. 
Um, and the tagline is, uh, what, this game stinks? This game stinks. This game stinks. Um, I personally don't know if I was a parent in, you know, the mid-90s. Would you buy your child a game that markets it? Like, this game stinks. I probably wouldn't. Yeah, don't buy this game. It sucks. That's what the marketing basically said. Um, so it didn't sell very well in America just based on that. Um, and also, just in general, uh, when people did buy it, the game was like absurdly hard um, as well, which is another whole kind of topic we can we can discuss maybe a bit later. Um, and also, was the game not priced up just a little bit compared to other SNES games? I think it was slight, but if you account for like inflation, it it'll be a little more significant than it would seem. Like yeah, I like some games are sixty dollars, some are seventy now. It mm-hmm. would probably be slightly more significant than a jump like that. Yeah, because the reason why is because uh, each game came packaged with a player's guide, um, which again was a whole another thing that like Nintendo had to produce and and make and put in the boxes and ship out, which just ups the cost of everything in general. Um, and that increases the price of the game, so people are a little bit less likely to buy it compared to, like, your Super Mario World. Um, but uh, overall, the game flopped here in America, um, and despite its lovable charm and everything like that, uh, it did not reach a very big audience, especially compared to uh, Japan, which it already wasn't doing super hot in, um, but it did not do as well in america yeah it was definitely a niche in japan already uh it kind of relied on the fact it's it's almost a parody of like dragon quest Mm -hmm. where dragon quest is this high fantasy like medieval dungeons and dragons type thing and uh itoi was very interested in like subverting that and basing it in eagle land which is like a parody of the united states yeah um and i think that in itself already wasn't something that would be as successful in the 90s and then when you try to do a parody of the u.s uh on a game that is already not super popular over here but is massively popular in japan yeah. uh it's not set up very well even with the poor marketing yeah that didn't it didn't help at all but i think the game a little bit was a little bit doomed uh to to not break out as a success just based on those factors yeah because dragon quest is like massive in japan absolutely and especially back then it was like i read a story for a class once and it was about like kids were like beating each other up for dragon quest <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah people were like skipping school on skipping, the day it released yeah. and and it was it was like it was a very big sensation in japan everyone loved dragon quest so uh, and here in america obviously um a lot of people probably don't even know what dragon quest is so it's it's definitely not uh it's been a little cultural barrier i think between people who you know, enjoy that game and people who don't. Um, but yeah, the game also, um, and I, I believe this is probably, this obviously didn't affect sales as much because you already had to buy the game to figure this out. But um, when you boot up Earthbound and you start to play it, you realize that this game is hard. Like right away, this game is hard. Um, I, I did this, uh, I, I always do this little fun comparison. You know, most games, your traditional, any kind of game, right? Your difficulty curve, right? Starts very easy when you start, and then it like slowly ramps up and ramps up and ramps up, and then you have the final boss, and that's like the hardest part of the game. Earthbound does this really funny and quirky thing where it, it's super hard at the beginning. It's like the hardest right at the beginning, then dips down to almost like mundane levels of easiness for a while, and then shoots back up at the end, which is uh, very strange for a game 
just in general, but especially an RPG. I think there's multiple aspects to that. One, uh, you just don't have much at the very beginning of Earthbound, mm-hmm. and then obviously you get more party members, um, yeah. not just Ness with yeah. a bat, um, and like you learn like spells or PSI, whatever mm-hmm. verbiage you want for it. And then the other part of it is video games back in the 90s, like, and this was definitely shifting, but we're definitely seen more as like a toy yeah. Um, for, like, children in a lot of people's eyes. Um, and Earthbound is dense, uh, mm-hmm. like, reading-wise, uh, where if you're not, like... And it's very referential um, in both the original Japanese and the English translation. There's a lot of references that a lot of people just won't catch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a very dense experience. And starting it off very hard definitely turns people off to it if they're not big into RPGs. Yeah, I imagine it did not help at all if people, like, kids, like, bought it and then they played it and they realized it was super hard. They didn't want to deal with it, so they tell their friends not to buy it and then they don't buy it and stuff like that. That can have a a bit of a chain reaction, I think, when it comes to sales back in the day. And just public perception based on Earthbound. If you go to a group of kids and say, what do you think of Earthbound? A lot of them will be like, uh, (laughs) it's hard. But you're right, the game is really dense in terms of just, like, inexperience. Um, In order to, like, get... Like, because I think a lot of the charm in Earthbound comes from the dialogue that you get from just random NPCs scattered around the world that you kind of have to go out of your way to find for really no reward. You kind of just walk around and sometimes they're kind of chilling and everyone has funny dialogue, um, but a lot of them are harder to access than others. And a lot of the entertainment value, I think, of Earthbound comes from that. Um, And if you're a kid, you don't want to be walking around talking to people. Uh, I can appreciate that now. Uh, because I, I don't know, I love reading dialogue in games and exploring and reading uh, and kind of finding all the characters to talk to. It's something that I personally enjoy now, but I think as a kid, you'd much rather walk around and just beat stuff up. And if you try to do that in Earthbound, you would get destroyed. Because, like, I, f- like the difficulty curve is so strange because you start out with Ness, who's like the main character, and he's your only party member. He's a tank, like a tank healer. I don't think, I can't think of any other game where you start off with the tank healer first. Like, normally you start off with kind of like an all-around character or like a damage dealer or something like that. Yeah. Ness does like no damage. He, he like, just has high health and can heal, but that's it. So it's very, some, like, fights are slow. There's really no, like, moments where you can, like, get big attacks off on people. It's just, it's a little awkward. Excessive grinding. It's yeah. Like, it's odd. It's just a little awkward, I think. And it feels awkward even now when you play it. Uh, just to play as like the tank character first, where you're not doing very much damage to anything. Um, and even as you level up and grow, you still don't do as much damage. And then you, th- then the when I said the difficulty curve like drops off immediately is when you get Paula, uh, or maybe a little bit after you get Paula. I think it's more when you get Jeff, where you can just like one shot anything with if you use a bottle rocket or a spell yeah. or something like that. Um, and the game becomes very trivial at that point so it's just weird how like that difficulty kind of moves um so now earthbound today is actually a lot more popular than i believe you could say it was back in the day absolutely um it is one of the few games i think that is is well not one of the few but it's a very textbook example of like a cult classic and games or like people who like today people who like earthbound love earthbound you and I both love Earthbound. We're both very big fans of it. Um, and, you know, people... It's not like a it's not like a big series where other people who aren't as invested in it, like, think about it a lot. And they're like, oh, I kind of wish I could get into Earthbound. It's really more of like a... 
very specific experience for like a like a community of people who are all into the game. Um, I think a big part of that with was with the early internet. Um, mm-hmm. Earthbound, like I said, was very dense, and it, as a result, like attracted this like analytical eye to it and then like a lot of people like played through it multiple times and they're like i really love this game i want to find other people and then that grew and i think a big part of the like growth of it especially was like super smash brothers yeah uh including ness and eventually lucas from the sequel mother three yeah and like both are like ness is a very iconic character in that series he's been in every title um and i think that's introduced the game to so many people yeah um that the like initial charm of it which i feel like appeals a lot more to like people who are playing video games in 2021 or even 2010 mm-hmm. than yeah. it did in 1995 i agree yeah it's like because we were ragging on the game a little bit, which it did have some things that it kind of deserves to be ragged on. But, like, the charm of the game is unmistakably, like, amazing. Like, anyone, I think most people, if they play the game now and kind of ignore the gameplay elements of it, just the the overall charm of the game and how, like, it looks beautiful still. The, the 16-bit art style is amazing. Um, the music is phenomenal. Like, all of the dialogue is amazing. There's not a single character, like, NPC character in Earthbound that you, like, don't want to talk to. Because after you talk to a couple, you realize they're all hilarious and you want to just keep talking to them all. Um, so I think, yeah, especially like, I think that, yeah, definitely suits people who play games now more than it did back in the day. Um, and it, it's also like, like you said, since it's so dense and there's a lot of like meaning that you can kind of gather from certain things that happen in the game. Um, I think people really did want like someone to talk to about it or at least something to like like run ideas off there are millions of threads on the internet about like what gigas is and like what the final boss battle means because it's just it's not something you can figure out by yourself it's weird you know yeah and it really it's still like it's unclear to a lot of people mm-hmm. and i i do i don't think there's a solid answer to the meaning of a lot of things yeah and earthbound and especially uh mother one and three have just a lot going on that yeah. you can't really uh fully understand Mm-hmm. like what the the goal of it was i also think it might be interesting to talk about mother three is a pretty i think another reason as to why the community kind of surrounding earthbound is as strong strong as it is uh so if you are unfamiliar mother three is the sequel to earthbound which is for the nintendo ds right game GBA. G- game boy yeah. game, game boy. boy advanced so it's for the nintendo game boy um and it was released in the early 2000s, 2006 uh, mid 2000s oh. 2006 yeah so this game was completely made in Japan. It was released in Japan, um, and it was ready to go for America. They did translate it, um, and then they never released the translation, and they never did anything with it, and it's kind of like the true translation is what, like, locked in a vault somewhere, so, metaphorically. with Mother 3, uh, it was released in 2006, and, like, uh, Itoi was very adamant about, like, this is the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's already limited to, it's on the GBA, and it was a, a scrap project for the Nintendo 64 and one of its add-ons. Yeah. And then there were no plans to localize it, mostly because, like, Earthbound at that point was known for Smash Brothers. Yeah. Um, and, like, Mother 1 Plus 2 was an earlier GBA release. It was a bundle of the first two games. Yeah. Um, and with Mother 3, they were like, yeah, we don't have a reason to release it. And... Earthbound was a relatively small community. Like, the the surrounding, like, mother fan base was quite small, but mm-hmm. they were very passionate. Um, and, like, 
it wasn't the first fan translation effort, but it was one of the like largest and most like prolific because they one of the things they said was if you want to officially release this game, you can use our translation and make any edits. Yeah, so they um, so the game never released in America if that wasn't clear, and then people got their hands on the Japanese version and since it was never going to release in America and they had no plans to, they just did the work themselves yep. and translated it themselves and said, just release what we made. We don't care. We just want the game to be out, you know? Yeah, and I think like there wasn't as much official acknowledgement of it. Like, uh, Nintendo's, like, President of America or President of Nintendo America, uh, like, addressed like Mother 3 a few times, but mm -hmm. there were no plans to localize it in the 15 years since its release. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's very interesting to me as someone who is very invested in both franchises is uh, in the newest Super Smash Brothers game, there is, like, spirits and there are a bunch of obscure characters. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the monkey Salsa from Mother 3, yeah. who does not have an official English name, and they went with the one in the fan translation. I um, did not know that. That's which really is, interesting. It It's a stretch to say that it is exclusively from the fan translation because of the way that the Japanese would have, like, directly translated. But yeah, cause it's very interesting uh, yeah. to think about. Because they obviously didn't make up just random names for the yeah. characters. They used, like, things in the game, their Japanese, like, the Japanese, like, language in the game to, like, dictate what things are called what. But that is very interesting that it's, that it's, that it's at least partially referenced. I know they, they make jokes about it, too. Like, at that one E3 presentation where Reggie yeah, is, like, someone. yeah, Reggie literally kills somebody for asking... I'm not lying. He like Mario fireballs him to death for being like, release Mother Three, Reggie. Come on, um, and I I do think that that like specific event happening, which like, and for all like, Mother Three is like a good game. Like it would do I, uh, decently, like at least decently well in America. And it does touch it does touch on some subjects that maybe they think American audiences don't really want in their games because do it does. Think it's a very politically charged game. Yeah. I think is one of the bigger, like, one of the influences as to why it wasn't released yeah. over here. It does but, explore some really dark topics as well. Yeah. I, I do think uh, gamers in 2021 would be ready to explore those topics yeah. um, for the most part. Um, and I don't think they're necessarily, like, there's nothing offensive in it for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think a big, like, inhibitor of it is just the, like effort that they would have to put in to re-release it and that was a similar thing with like earthbound not being released for the wii like yeah. on its virtual console there's a lot of hoops to jump through with yeah. uh with this series yeah um but that like experience of i guess not ex it's like a group experience i guess of having a game that you know a, a, for a franchise you're very passionate for and you you and a group are very passionate for and then it just it's literally just like like a carrot dangling in front of you on a stick yeah. and you just can never reach it. Um, I think that brings like a community like the Earthbound community together in in a way because like they all like care about the game and I think it's kind of like an underdog mentality where like the publisher won't give them kind of the game that they want even though it's ready and done and it really, there's, be honest, there's really no reason for them to not release it at this point. Um, so I think that just kind of gets everyone like everyone in the in the earthbound fan community kind of closer together as a, as a result of that and it and it has turned them into a really like tight-knit strong community and i think the influence of earthbound just on like game development mm -hmm. um has been seen significantly more in the like mid 2000 like 
2010s, mm-hmm. like mid 2010s and onward. Yeah. Um, the biggest example being Undertale. Undertale which was is a, a massive success. Huge, and it's and solely based. It's, it's incredibly uh, derivative is not the right word, but it is inspired by Earthbound. It and is it's very clear. It is like as close to a spiritual Earthbound successor as I think you can get without yeah. like just like copying things from the game. Because it obviously is. Like if you play, if you have played Undertale, you know it is not visually remotely similar to Earthbound. Um, but like the style of of character writing and the dialogue and 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 the charm of the game is is very reminiscent of it. I mean, I believe obviously Toby Fox, who's a creator, has gone on record saying that yeah, Earthbound he's is worked on a Earthbound very big influence. Hacks yeah. before, so like, yeah. and then like Omori is another recent release where there's clear influence mm-hmm. um, to the the themes, which has created like the the success of those two games has created the uh, the like new genre of quirky Earthbound inspired indie game about depression yeah um which doesn't really fall under like there aren't many games that fall under that but they're very successful true my favorite uh earthbound specific uh like fan project Mm -hmm. is this video by steven george um Mm -hmm. and he he's produced a lot of other content and he's like closely related with a lot of earthbound content creators but he made this video and what had to be the first like six months of youtube um, called I Am Earthbound, and he dressed up as an Earthbound con- or like cartridge. Yeah, and he just had a song about it. <laughs> and through that video, he met his wife. Um, and I just think that's that's a neat thing to think about when you think about like this tight knit yeah. like, community, which isn't as possible now with a lot of like bigger releases. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely something that like because nostalgia is a thing that factors into that a lot. Um, and obviously who's to say that could kind of happen again in the future with games that kind of are released around now or when we were, when we were little, but, uh, it's, I think going to be, it's definitely like a, like a time experience, a timed experience of like that game released kind of at the right time where the kids who did end up playing it as a kid grew up. Um, and once they were like of the age where they could use the internet freely and talk about it, they all kind of got together to talk about their experiences and it created this really tight knit community. And I don't think that there will be. Well, I hope I not. I hope I hope there won't be any other situations for like other game franchises where like a, a Mother Three happens to them, um, which will bring their community closer together. So I think it, it's going to be very hard to replicate kind of like the fan community of Earthbound today. Um, and I imagine that that's going to continue into the future. Um, I imagine that if you are a big fan of Earthbound now, you will not somewhat slowly just not become a fan uh, like it's 10, 20 years down the line. Experience. Yeah, it's a game that you can pick up and play at any time, really, if you're familiar with it. And I'm sure people are going to show their kids and all this stuff. It's going to have a very positive legacy, especially if he, um, they continue to include it in any future Smash Brother games that they uh, that they release. Because um, like games that are included in Super Smash Brothers are just kind like, of like cemented their place in like gaming history exactly because that game is so popular and there's so many people that play it it's like and like people of all kinds play it not just people who are like quintessential gamers just like yeah. people play it at parties and people play it with their friends and people who don't even people who know like no characters on the roster except for mario and pikachu will play it yeah, like and, and they'll they'll get to intru- get introduced to all of these different characters every character in smash bros kind of represents this like moment in gaming history and then also min min and corin are there Mm -hmm. um just (laughs) for some reason uh and i think like earthbound and mother 3 are definitely like important points in like nintendo's history and then just like the history of rpgs and now that the influence on like indie development which 
is completely different from when it was when Mother 3 released. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that influence is really important to, like, chart through that game. I agree. I completely agree. Um, so that's that's how Earthbound has been perceived past, future, or past, present, and future. Um, we're going to take a quick break to record a couple... Say that again. We're going to take a quick break to play a couple of advertisements, and we will be right back for our verdict on whether the content holds up. My name is Jenny Chow. My name is John Hart. My name is Sophie Shirley. When I complete my degree, I want to work in the audio industry. I want to work in the movie industry. I want to work for National Geographic and travel the world. My name is Jenny Chow. My name is John Hart. My name is Sophie Shirley. And, and I, I am Tom Artsai. Start your journey at comartsci.msu.edu. All right, Tom. So now comes the point of our show where we debate and discuss whether Earthbound holds up in 2021. Um, So, you know, released a while ago, released quite a bit ago. um, And do you think that the game itself um, you can you can kind of chart this in different kind of areas if you want. If you think that if you want to like differentiate the gameplay from the from the design and experience to the to the like, the overall legacy, um, do you think that Earthbound holds up? I think as a whole, it it holds up very well. Um, there are definitely aspects of it that are not the strongest. Uh, the gameplay being one of them, and I think one mm-hmm. of the reasons is that. We've seen 25 years of RPGs and a sequel that improved on the like core gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very hard to like create a game and then 25 years later be like, yeah, that gameplay was perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are many games that fall under that umbrella. I can't think of any like, but right away. Especially it uh, stands out because any game released 25 years on is going to feel a little dated in its writing. Um, and especially one as dense as Earthbound, the fact that it can get away with being this timeless experience mm-hmm. is incredibly impressive. And I think it's it and the music and the presentation are all still modern isn't the right word, but like they're very classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that will change at any point. Um, and I think because of that, Earthbound holds up. It's it's hard to like it's not awful. Yeah, if By you any judge means. it for the time, it does a lot of interesting things. Um, the problem, like, addressing it as, like, holding up is there are a lot of things that, like, just quality of life improvements and small little changes mm-hmm. that are introduced in some of these spiritual successors and the sequel and other games similar to it that make it, like, make going back very uh, jarring. Yeah, and it, the gameplay is pretty tedious just in general you do have to grind to uh, to make your experience better which you know inadvertently makes it worse because you have to do all this grinding um, which wasn't really solved in rpgs until maybe 10 years ago yeah and still isn't fully uh removed no but yeah so the game the game itself the gameplay can get very tedious you do have to grind a lot if you want to get specific um if you just want to make the game easier for yourself and not as frustrating um, the inventory system is atrocious in the original Earthbound, where you only have like eight or ten slots for items, and a couple items you need to have on you at all times. So you really only have like five that you like can freely use. Um, and the process of swapping items that you have in like your storage is painfully slow, and can turn a lot of people off once you get to that point in the game. Um, 
and there are some like in terms just in terms of gameplay there's some really weird power spikes um or not power spikes but like difficulty spikes yeah. in the game like uh you get well like uh, the whole segment with ness at the beginning before you get paula is like the hardest part in the entire game i think like up until you get to like peaceful rest valley or whatever and that's like the hardest part um and then once you get Paula and Jeff, it's so easy, and then it becomes hard again once, once you get to the end of the game. As I think both of us said, uh, we've we've both played through the game at least mm-hmm. one time all the way through, and yeah. then we've started it a couple times and then stopped. And yeah. I think the, the like tedium of the beginning and the tedium of like just certain aspects of it, trying to mm-hmm. get a 1 in 128 drop. On, yeah, on a, oh, those are all awful. Yeah. Uh, Definitely uh, turns you off from the game sometimes. Yeah, I completely agree. And then, um, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of things about the game that, like, while the things like the UI are nice and they're fun um, and they they do fit the style of the game quite a lot, they are very clunky. Um, We can wrap up a little bit and talk about our final verdict. So I think we are on the same page here, really. Uh, And we agree with each other on most aspects. But just, just to, for posterity's sake, Tom... Do you think Earthbound, just in general, do you think that holds up? I think Earthbound holds up. I agree. I, I also think Earthbound holds up. I think that while you can strike a couple of things for it nowadays that are definitely a little bit outdated and not current gaming practices, this is mostly just gameplay related. Um, the charm of the game and the design of the game and all the things that make Earthbound Earthbound overshadow that completely and i think that even now there's proof of it due to the large fan communities um that are present and i think that earthbound absolutely holds up Um, i'd agree that is our verdict it holds up Woo! um so before we go do you have anything you want to say anything you want to wrap up with uh thank you for having me uh shout out zatu of course Uh, that's about it awesome well uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Classic Hold Up Podcast. Thank you, Tom, Tom Manning, for being my guest here. My name has been Brendan Perswara. It still is Brendan Perswara. I don't know why I said it has been. It has been and currently will be. Um, and thank you for listening, and we will see you in a future episode of the Classic Hold Up Podcast. Find the Classic Hold Up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us at Audio Video Land for updates, teasers, and behind-the-scenes content of all Audio Video Land productions. The Classic Holdup is an Audio Video Land production by digital storytelling students of Michigan State University in collaboration with Impact 89FM.